So today is the 14th of September, 2020. Now we've done our evening chanting practice. It is time to sit in meditation. And this sitting in meditation is something that's very important. When the mind does not have samadhi, does not have collectedness, does not have stability, then the mind simply chases moods and sense objects all day long. So given that this is the situation we find ourselves in, what should we do? When there's no mindfulness and no collectedness, then the mind simply gets lost in uh, greed and grasping, aversion and pushing away and delusion, the state of being lost. The mind chases after all the various sense objects, and this is uh, chaos and trouble for oneself and others. The mind clings to the various sense phenomena, and this gives rise to dukkha or stress, suffering, and this is uh, a cause for wisdom to not arise because the mind is lost in sense phenomena. So all day long in this state, it's all about the self. Everything uh, the mind does when it's lost in this way, it's all about me and mine, you and yours. And there's a sense of uh, oneself or me, the me is uh, better, than, better than you or equal to you or worse than you. And these are... Uh, different permutations of conceit or dittimana, views in conceit. So one thinks and proliferates in this way that oneself is better than others or equal to others or worse than others. And whether, um, whether these statements are uh, conventionally true or not true, it's all conceit, it's all based on the self. And there's these nine types of conceit, where if one is better, one thinks one is better, one thinks one is equal, or one thinks one is worse. When one is equal, one thinks one is better, equal, or worse. And one is worse, one thinks one is better, equal, or worse. These are the nine types. So all day long, the mind uh, has this uh, conceit all day long. And this is clinging and attachment to views and conceit. And so in an entire day, there's typically just a short amount of time to practice meditation. And we make effort to contemplate the truth of nature and to see clearly this habit of seeing oneself as better, equal, or worse than others. And we contemplate to see that really there's no me here, there's no I, and there's no you or yours or others. A being is just a being. This is the heart with wisdom because it relies on a foundation of samadhi, collectedness and stability. And when this samadhi is able to give rise to wisdom, this is the arising of knowledge the arising of the light which dispels the darkness of ignorance. So we can see that this sitting in meditation is something that's very important. And 
We also recollect that virtue is the foundation of our hearts. One must be careful and restrained in one's actions of body, speech, and mind to be within the bounds of sila or virtue. And when one's behavior of body, speech, and mind are within sila, then this gives stability to the mind and allows samadhi to arise. In this samadhi, we can compare to placing a rock on top of grass. When one places a rock on top of the grass, the grass is temporarily suppressed. However, when the rock is removed and the grass will grow again as before. In the same way, samadhi can control the kilesas, the obstructions of mind, and can suppress them. However, uh, we must not rely solely on samadhi because when samadhi degrades, the kilesas come back. So samadhi is something that we must do. It is important. However, one does not only do samadhi. One also uh, uses this samadhi as a foundation to give rise to wisdom. And this wisdom is something that's very important. In the teaching of the Buddha, wisdom does not come just from study, just reading books and learning. If one only does this, then no, no true wisdom will arise at all. One must practice the Dhamma. One must put the teachings into practice in order for true wisdom to arise. And the Krubhajans, the great teachers, taught in a way that was very easy, very simple, and taught for the heart to be like the great earth. And we can see that the great earth has um, immense equanimity, whether one puts uh, trash or water or feces or saliva or urine or a strong wind or strong rain or storm and so on, the, the earth is, uh, is equanimous, is indifferent to these phenomena. The earth is just there as before, no matter what one does to it, no matter what happens. So we can train our minds to be like this. And the great teacher, Lumpu Tongrat, he gave a similar teaching where he taught one elderly monk to make his mind like a tree stump. And this is a teaching that was very easy, very short. And this elderly monk um, understood this teaching and did his best to put it into practice. He saw that, again, whether one uh, insults the stump or urinates or spits on it or does various things to the stump, no matter if it's hot or cold or whatever the weather is, the stump is just there feeling indifferent feeling uh, feeling like whatever happens is fine it's just it's just there and this old monk was able to train his mind to be like this stump and later on this elderly monk was able to see the dhamma clearly he accepted this dhamma teaching and he needed his heart to be collected and peaceful to a certain degree and since he was able to do this, he was able to dispel all his doubts and see clearly the truth. So we can see how important this is. So have effort to restrain one's mind. 
and one cultivates loving kindness and compassion as a foundation for one's mind. With loving kindness and compassion as a foundation, then the mind, uh, you know, should be well established in these qualities. And also in terms of the Dhamma of virtue, the practice of sila, this can be said to come from loving kindness and compassion. So having these four Brahma-viharas of loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity makes Dhamma practice uh, easy. When one has the, these four Brahma-viharas in the mind, then whatever collectedness one has will not degrade. So have effort in this practice. Because we can see that this life of ours, being born into this world, we don't have much time in this world. So we may do a lot of study, go to school for a long time, do a lot of work to seek out uh, money and uh, wealth. And doing these things, it can leave us with very little time to practice the Dhamma. And this practicing of the Dhamma, this cultivation of the heart is very good. It's the best thing in life. So have effort in this. And one can say that searching for external wealth is important. It is, one does need that in order to uh, take care of worldly affairs. And one can also see that having a peaceful heart also has a great uh, incredible value and seeing the fruits of Dhamma practice uh, or one sees that the fruit of Dhamma practice is true happiness. Dhamma practice brings about true happiness in the heart. So with the mind well established in collectedness and mindfulness, whatever moods and sense impressions arise, the mind is taken care of and the mind is able to not fall into liking and disliking. The mind is stable and established in upeka equanimity. In this not liking or disliking, this is the way to see the Dhamma, to see the truth. One can be confident in this and establish one's heart in samadhi in this way. There was one occasion I was walking meditation at Wa Nongpapong, and my heart was very peaceful, gathered in samadhi. My heart was empty. My body and mind felt light and at ease. And the thought arose in my mind, this is the way to end suffering, right? This is the right way to do it, right? So this thought arose. And later, uh, Lung Pu Cha was giving a Dhamma talk. And usually Lung Pu Cha will give a Dhamma talk about some other topic or teach about letting go of all sense impressions and so on. But on that night, on that occasion, Lung Pu Cha, he gave the teaching that the right way to practice is to not like or dislike, that this is the fastest way to gain the paths and fruits of Nibbana, of liberation. So this is an example of the Krubhajan, the great teacher, teaching the direct way. Lung Pucha, um was teaching in a very direct way, 
and reading my mind to a degree. And hearing this teaching, my heart awoke and doubts were dispelled. And in a similar way, now I'm teaching you a teaching that's very easy and simple. There's no need to get uh, all complicated about it. Just whatever you do, have a lot of mindfulness. Be firm and steady and establish your mindfulness a lot, as much as you can. Throughout the day, no uh, thoughts that arise. And be careful about speech. If one speaks a lot, then one will be speaking about the self, about stories about the self, and this is a waste of time. One can say that if one speaks for one hour, then this is not having mindfulness for one hour. So have mindfulness with the heart and practice uh, restraint in speech or reducing speech. And when one is not speaking, one can have sufficient mindfulness to look at the thoughts that are occurring in the mind. And one can have sufficient mindfulness to inquire regarding the nature of thought, asking who, who's thinking, who is making these thoughts. And with this mindfulness, one can see um, whether the thought is an old thought or a new thought, a thought about the past or the future, then one can have liking or disliking for these thoughts. And one practices to have mindfulness to know these thoughts in time and to not fall into liking or disliking. And one contemplates to see that these thoughts, they come and they go. They never stay. They're ever changing, impermanent. And seeing in this way, one can overcome uh, getting lost in thought. And this allows the mind to be collected in samadhi. So contemplate in this way. In this way, the mind is able to be empty and one feels the state of peace in the heart. So practice in this way. And if one is proliferating a lot about the future, one can ask, uh, when will I die? Will I, will I die during this hour-long period or will I die during this meditation sitting? And given that I might die, why, why should I proliferate about the future and think about the future? So one can train one's heart in this way. And when one's mind becomes still and peaceful, this is the mind, this is samadhi that's established in the heart. And this assists the arising of wisdom. And so when there is a lot of collectedness and the chance for wisdom to arise is there, one can see that the body is of the nature to fall apart and degrade. The body's constantly aging and shedding uh, cells of various kinds and its eventual destination will be um, complete destruction and separation into the four elements. So see the fruit of practicing Dhamma. The fruit is to destroy the sense of self and mine and me. We can call this destroying Sakaya Didi, the self view, one of the ten fetters. 
And these views that are being destroyed through Dhamma practice are very deeply embedded in the heart. We can say they're very thick and firmly established, these views. And um, with regard to the heart clinging to the body as mine, this is in the realm of Sakayadidi, the view, the self-view. And one sees that this body is actually something of nature. And we take something that is nature, belongs to nature, and we take it as me, take it as mine, take it as I. And we can contemplate and really see that this body is actually just composed of earth, air, fire, and water, the four elements. And these same four elements are found all over the world. They're all the same, earth, air, fire, and water, wherever one goes across the whole planet. It's just these four elements. And these four elements are all of the nature to change and degrade. So the mind, and yet when the, when the mind is established in a physical form, in the physical body, then the mind will cling to this body very firmly and cling a lot. So one must practice to train the mind in this way. So practice walking meditation, sitting meditation, and make effort. Make effort continuously, make effort evenly, make effort steadily, and have respect for the quality of effort. So when you walk, or when you sit meditation, uh, whenever you have time to do these things, do your best to make time. And when you do have time, then do engage in these practices of walking and sitting meditation. And when you're working, ask oneself, do I have mindfulness? Am I mindful of my thoughts and of my body movements? And use this type of contemplation to arouse wakefulness in one's mind to arouse wakefulness in the heart and to teach the heart in this way. And when one practices steadily in this way, whenever one loses mindfulness, one will have the habit of coming back to mindfulness. So if one has faith and one is capable of practicing in this way and practicing to meditate often, to sit in meditation often, There are examples of uh, lay disciples who were drinking alcohol frequently. And then with practice, they reflected that they were just wasting time doing this activity. And this is an activity that many people do. But later, with more Dhamma practice, one can say that one's old spiritual accumulations, one's old parami can return and the mind can become more peaceful and well-established and one can feel this great uh, fullness of heart of the mind collected in samadhi, which is a great happiness of heart, a greater happiness than one has felt in the past. And one can feel that this happiness from samadhi is better than all other previous types of happiness that one has felt. So seeing this, then one feels like all the things in the world 
all the good things that one has constantly been seeking after and seeking to gain and looking for, uh, why not seek this greater happiness of the heart that I found through samadhi? Wouldn't it be better to seek this samadhi, this happiness of heart, which is higher and better than all the other good things that I used to look for? And one can reflect that these um, qualities of grasping, aversion, and ignorance, they really destroy the body and the mind. They're forces of destruction. So we should practice to give this good thing to our hearts, to give this very good thing to one's heart is considered the behavior of an intelligent person or one who has wisdom. And seeing impermanence is something that's very important for us to do, to understand impermanence clearly. And if one does this uh, regularly and has effort in this way, one brings wakefulness to oneself, one wakes oneself up. And one can ask, why should I get lost in greed, aversion, and delusion? Why get lost in the darkness of ignorance? So thinking in this way, one takes care of the heart. One practices not to fall into liking or disliking and to be skilled in this way. And this heart that's established in concentration uh, leads to wisdom in this way. And when the mind is well established in concentration and firm in the Dhamma practice, firm in collectedness, then the mind wishes to practice Dhamma all by itself. There's no need to control or force the mind at this point because the mind will simply gravitate to Dhamma practice of its own accord. <clears throat> One can compare it to a good child. If a child is a very good child, then the parents have no need to control or force the, the child to do anything because the child has a natural desire and enthusiasm to learn and go to school. Or with work, one is interested and enthusiastic to seek out wealth. So there's no need to control oneself or force oneself to go to work. So this is um, comparable to Dhamma practice. And this Dhamma practice, we can say, is seeking a noble wealth for the heart. And when one, when one lacks samadhi in the heart, this illuminates how helpful it is to have samadhi. That ha this having of collectedness dispels the five hindrances and makes the mind clear and happy. So do your best to find time to practice uh, sitting meditation, walking meditation, using the meditation word bhuto, or being mindful of the breath. And whatever one meditation object one uses, can give rise to a body and mind that feel light and at ease. So for ourselves, knowing this Dhamma practice, knowing how to practice, this is being smart in the practice of mental cultivation. So bring the mind to peace, practice mental cultivation, and give rise to this all-around knowing, this wisdom this wisdom that knows all 
compounded, compounded things, all conditioned things. And one can ask, well, how are conditioned things? What is their nature? And one practices to see clearly that all sankharas, all conditioned things arise based on a cause and they uh, are born out of causes. So it's their nature to fall away and degrade with the cessation of those causes. However, the mind that has no wisdom will see all these sankharas, all these conditioned things, will see them as me and mine, as you and yours. So one practices to see clearly that they're ownerless. There's no me or mine there, no you or yours. So practice to see clearly in this way, give rise to wisdom in this way. So in the teaching of the Buddha, the function of wisdom is to cut off delusion in the heart. So whether one is a monastic or a layperson, uh, don't get lost in the world. Don't get lost in the world of the six senses. Practice chanting have effort in one's practice of mental cultivation and recollect that this life of ours is getting shorter day by day. So practice generosity, offering uh, various things according to one's ability, such as the various buildings, uh, meditation halls, chedis, helping uh, those suffering from poverty helping the Buddha's dispensation and helping according to one's ability and means and practice virtue and find the time to practice bhavana, mental cultivation. So we have a very good opportunity, a very good opportunity in our lives. So whether we're walking, sitting or speaking, practice to be heedful and one can reflect that as one gets older, one will gradually, can gradually become unable to practice uh, easily, or it becomes much more difficult to practice as illness and uh, disability arise as time goes on in one's body. Uh, sitting down, one may not be able to sit for long, may be too painful to walk very much, Standing may be difficult, and even lying down for a long time can give rise to great discomfort. So when one has a good opportunity that we have now, do a lot of meditation, practice a lot while you still are able to, while you still have this good opportunity and good health. See the body as not self. And this is the way to seeing the Dhamma and this reduces the obstructions, the kilesas in one's mind. And this is the arising of uh, the Dhamma in one's heart. So may all of you be intent in your practice. <laughs>